0: You can now subscribe and save 20% on your Strava Craft Coffee every single time with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. We know a bunch of you have taken advantage of the one-time code, and you can now save 20% off every single time on your favorite coffee forever. Never have to put in your credit card info. Never have to worry about not having coffee, uh, a struggle that I'm dealing with right now because I haven't done a great job of uh, subscribing, of keeping up with my subscription to Strava Craft Coffee. So don't be like me. Don't. Just use the code DNVR20 when you go in there. Just use the subscription and get 20% off every single time. Every two, three, four, six, or 8 weeks, they'll send it to your door. You'll get that discount. It's fantastic. So check them out, Strava Craft Coffee. And if you just want to try it once, use the code DNVR20. That's Strava Craft Coffee. Try them today. VR, two goes out to Zach Mace, RK, and the bar, three for Mr. B in that old trophy case, number four we're, we're still, still
1: waiting for, well, bring on the chase. Yeah. Out on the field, the mile high, from its windows outside, couple with the
0: break
2: Crew and a friendly orange and blue to the bitter end. Come
0: and join us, we, D-N-V-R. we are D-N-V-R. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. What are you doing this spring? Well, you should be taking classes over at MSU Denver. If you want to get that education furthered uh, while you work full-time hours, uh, MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as any other Colorado institution. So check them out. MSU Denver online. MSU Denver slash online is the website. You can check them out. Uh, 40 plus hybrid, hybrid programs, 750 plus classes. There's something for everyone. So check out MSU Denver online. Well, Mace, I said before the game, the perfect scenario was the Broncos lose 46-45 uh, with all of their points being allowed on special teams. Now, we didn't quite get that. <laughs> But we got the one-point loss. We got another 30-point output from a Drew Locke-led offense. And we got special teams being a key cog in the loss. Uh, You know, you can point to some nice things on defense. You can point to some nice things on offense. Special teams was the worst of the three units, so it was pretty close.
1: Yeah, pretty close. I mean... You know, the, the game never fails to throw some new th- wrinkles at you, right? And I think, to, you know, today's new wrinkle is Brandon McManus missing two field goals in the same game from beyond 60 yards. This 63-yarder blocked, a 70-yarder blocked, and then, oh, by the way, a 56-yarder wide left. Not McManus's best day, but, of course, you can't expect him to hit the 70 and the 63-yarder. But, yeah, that... Josh Watson with that penalty on the on the kickoff return, uh, special teams was ragged. The defense forced a lot of takeaways. So mm-hmm. the thing that's been missing, right, for throughout the Vic Fangio era, first time since Fangio became the head coach, for takeaways. But uh, yeah, just it's 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 kind of a fitting end in a lot of ways to the season that we just witnessed.
0: And let me just say this: If you are a fan who is absolutely beside yourself right now that the Broncos just lost to the Raiders, I completely understand why you feel that way, and I don't hold anything against you for feeling that way. That it's losing the Raiders sucks like any time. I totally understand that. It's just not the mood I'm in. Uh, I, the Broncos improved their draft position by three uh, three spots with that loss. They go from twelve to nine. Um, mm-hmm. The you know Jerry Judy. Uh, had a revenge game of sorts. Um, He ends up going over on his season total at DraftKings Sportsbook by (laughs) over 100 yards uh, Mm -hmm. he covered it by. Um, Big catch from him. Big plays and big moments from Drew Locke. Drew Locke uh, leads them into a chance. You'd love to see one more completion (laughs) there at the end, but Drew Locke um, obviously plays well. And while it sucks that they blew it, uh, at the end, just because you'd like to see a team finish football games that they should be winning uh, in the end. I think it kind of worked out perfectly for the Broncos today.
1: Yeah. they What do you ask in a meaningless game? And that's what it was, a meaningless game. Frankly, you ask for entertainment. You ask for glimmers of hope. You even asked for some young guys to get some more reps, and uh, uh, by virtue of Graham Glasgow aggravating his shoulder injury, we saw a little longer run uh, for Natani Mooti in this game. And by the way, Mooti M- Muti- with a nice hustle play to bring down Henry Ruggs on the after the blocked field goal at the end of the first half when the Mass tried to, from seventy yards out. Saw Austin Schlotman get get some work as well. Tyree Cleveland with a nice game today, especially on third downs. He you know not just the catches, but he drew a couple of pass interference penalties. And so you got some good, some good promise there. You also, and let's face it, you got to look at Parnell Motley, who I don't think is going to necessarily be in the plans. And uh, maybe after that, you're saying, yeah, we got to fortify the depth of cornerback a little bit. Draymond Jones had a nice game on the defensive line. So you saw, you saw some good things from some young players, mainly uh, uh, depth pieces, but some things that you can not hang your hat on, but at least feel pretty good about, even if, even if the result wasn't what you want on the scoreboard.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and let's go through Drew Locke's game here, Mace, because uh, the stats are very much in his favor. Uh, 25 of 41, 339 passing yards. I believe that's a career high for him. Um, and two touchdowns, zero interceptions, a 103.6 rating, which you uh, is close to his best of the season. And I felt like he was in control making plays, um, not, you know, any terrible decisions, I don't think, from Drew Locke on the day. Really, one of his best games, uh, definitely one of his best games of the season, probably one of the best games of his career.
1: Yeah, it's just the third time on, on passer rating that he's been over 100. Not as spectacular as what he did against Houston in 2019 and against Carolina three weeks ago, but still a, a good, solid game, taking what's there. It was pointed out a few times on the broadcast uh, uh, that he was he, he was – kind of managing the game effectively, that he wasn't trying to force it. He he took what the Raiders were, were giving him, had some nice throws, stepped up in the pocket. I think he's cured himself of the dalliance with the Simeon the simian drift that he had uh, earlier in his career. There was that play to Deshaun Hamilton that jumps out in particular where he steps up, gets, gets to the left side. Good job keeping that play alive. Also a good job feeling the rushers around him. And then a strike to Deshaun Hamilton and does so going to the left which has been a little bit of a problem for Drew Locke at times. He's more effective going to his right than his left, but just it's a solid game. He did what he needed to do. You ha- you also, if you're going to be the gloomy Gus, you have to point out this is a very bad pass defense that he was going against, but sometimes you got to take advantage of that. They're going to give, they're going to uh, give you some opportunities. They were playing shorthanded and he exploited. That's what you should do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, You know, for a long time now, it feels like the Broncos haven't done that in games where you look at the other team and you say, oh, man, they're missing this guy, that guy, the other guy. Uh, It should be open out there. And then it just doesn't end up being open. Broncos scored 31 points today um, with limited help from the special teams. Like (laughs) we said, Uh, the only one you really expect Brandon McManus to make is the 56 yarder. And even that, you know, you'd probably Mm -hmm. say, Mace, it's right around 50 percent of make rate in the NFL from there.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, what, what what did that take him to 10 of 13 on the season? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of, uh, I, I, the stats won't rule it out, but in my mind, I don't, I don't put much value on the 63 and the 70 yard or the fifth. And then again, over the long haul, he's been terrific from fifty plus. He's been more uh, than you can expect. And so I know there's a lot of frustration when people are looking at the missed kicks over the last few weeks, but these, these misses are a lot different than the ones that he had against Carolina, for instance. It's a completely different ball game here.
0: Absolutely. Uh Jerry Judy's stats are insane <laughs> at the end of this thing. Five catches mm-hmm. on seven targets, no drops, by the way. Uh 140 yards and a touchdown there, Uh, and he is, Mace, our DraftKings king of the game. Drew Locke probably could have made a case here too, Um, but you love to see this as just a bounce-back game from Jerry Judy. He was kind of the – this is now a a good term, but it used to be a bad term, the GOAT of the game last Mm -hmm. week, Um, and – Five catches, 140 yards, 28 yards per catch. Obviously, that that's very booned by the 92-yard uh, touchdown. But just so great to see him go out there and make a really big play for his team a week after he didn't make a lot of really big plays when he could have. And, and the two-point conversion as well.
1: Well, I really like the fact that they got him involved early. Uh, first possession out there, got him the ball. You want to get him going. Uh, you don't want to ignore him. You want to try to get him back on his feet. So, got him involved early. He had that bobble on the two point conversion when he was open, but hey, he hauled it in. And there's while there isn't going to be much carryover from this game the next year. Just the fact that Judy could have a game like this and make sure that there was a good game in between. The five drops and the coming season—that's huge. Now he can kind. Of, now he can really kind of cut himself off from that. He can show it shows that he could rebound from it and charge into the off season. And I think uh, that actually may be more important than uh, whatever happened on the scoreboard, win or loss, making sure that Jerry Judy got past those five drops, didn't let it linger. You would have hated for him to have another game, a game with a couple of drops, and, and have that persist into the offseason. As able to cut it off, plow forward. So I completely agree. Great choice on the king of the game, and, uh, and great for him to rebound. Certainly augurs well for bigger things in 2021.
0: Well, we usually lead off with biggest takeaways, but it yeah. felt like this was a bigger game than than um, just, you know a, a takeaway from the game. But if you did have uh, to go to your biggest to- takeaway from the game, maybe aside from Drew and Jerry, since we've already talked about those guys, where would you look?
1: Okay, well, I would say looking at it, it it's it, you know, I do kind of have to focus on the takeaways. I can't help it because that that's something that's been missing. And I know that I know it's kind of, I know there are things other than that, but I can't get my mind past it on the positive side. They did have four takeaways in this game. And then the offense had zero giveaways. First time all. So think of it first time all year, no giveaways. First time in the Fangio era, four takeaways. So you actually had the equation that you're supposed to win with.
0: And you should win by a lot, to be honest, in that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, NFL teams, by the way, ha- until today had won 62 consecutive games with exactly four, t- four takeaways and no giveaways. The Broncos had not lost a game with a plus four better turnover margin since the first game after the strike in 1987. I mean, th- so it's funny. Vic's like, yeah, I gotta, you know, check the stats on that when he had his press conference. Well, I'm happy to provide them for you. It's uh, the, it's an anomaly, but it's also fr- it's also frustrating. It seems like we've seen over the last 4 years the Broncos have had a lot of these losses where you think okay, you have this statistical metric in place. You should never lose like that, right? Well, the Broncos did. But still good to see plus 4 just they couldn't they couldn't get it done.
0: And how about speaking of the plus side of things, with two touchdowns and zero interceptions today, Drew Locke ends <laughs> the season with a pl- positive touchdown to interception ratio, just barely. And, and you know, in the end it didn't it doesn't mean anything really. But we did talk 4 weeks ago when he was um solidly in the on the wrong side of this. I want to say he had Oh, Mace, maybe you can help me here. It felt like nine touchdowns to 13 interceptions or something.
1: Well, he had uh, – are we talking about after the Chiefs game? Is that kind of where we were looking at it? the
0: last four weeks of the season. Yeah, going into the last four weeks of the season.
1: Okay, yeah. Going into the last four weeks of the season, he had one, let's see, six, seven, nine. He had, let's see, nine nine to 13. And in the final four games of the season, he was seven to two
0: and we we said it's so funny you could go back and pull the audio from a podcast that mm. back then where we said hey to get to positive touchdown to interception he would have to do something along the lines of 7 to 2 and yep. if he does that we'll feel a lot better uh about the way things finished for Drew Lock this season and i think you have to um you tweeted out a bunch of different charts that were yeah. you know illuminating the upward trend for Drew Lock and i get it I don't expect everyone to be sold on Drew Locke right now. Um, there was plenty of bad that you can pull from to say why you shouldn't be sold on him. And, and you know, I, I'm somewhere in the middle uh, that's on the the positive feelings towards Drew Locke's side of things, I think, right now. But to finish with 7-2 to two, um, shows me that he really you know, decided that he wanted to take care of the ball at the end of the season. He did that. He was still able to generate touchdowns. Now the four to zero game uh, from the, in the Carolina game really, really helps that. But in the end, he does finish with a positive touchdown to interception ratio. And when you can combine that with what we see with our eyes, which is like you mentioned earlier, you know, him him going through his reads, him getting to the checkdown, mm-hmm. uh, him stepping up in the pocket instead of doing the Simeon drift. Uh, a lot of things, you know, culminate in this game where he throws for you know 340 yards uh, and gets to that positive touchdown to interception ratio. Where you say, you know what, there is a very clear upward trend for him at the end of the season
1: here. Yeah, and I, I I expect that there's enough here and also kind of based on some of John Elway's comments, I expect that there's enough to take them out of the Matthew Stafford conversation mm. when all the, when all this is done. I, I think now, I think there'll be plenty of speculation about it, but I expect that's something that the Broncos won't be thinking of, especially because there'll be multiple suitors for Stafford, and that price tag in terms of draft pick compensation likely will go up. If the Lions want to make him available, I mean, shoot, if I'm, uh, let's say John Schneider, as reported this morning, ends up taking that Lions job. If, I, if I'm Schneider and I'm looking at the Lions situation and saying, I want to microwave this, I'm not trading Matthew Stafford. So are the Broncos still in the market to upgrade the backup quarterback, whether it is a a, a youngish Hedge, uh, a, a Mariota if he's available, uh, a Winston, a, a Trubisky if he's available, a, a, a Minshew? Yes. Are they still potentially in the market for the the Dalton slash Colt McCoy slash Tyrod Taylor, Fitzpatrick, veteran and Hedge? Absolutely but I don't think you're in the market for somebody who's going to come in and be the starter from day one. And I don't think you're in the first round market. I'm sure we'll have some speculation about it. We'll respond to rumors over the next few months. But I think I'm pretty close to putting it in Sharpie that you're not going to take a quarterback in the first round. It's going to be Drew Locke and a a vastly upgraded backup, maybe a backup who's going to be paid more than Drew Locke. And then you go from there and see where Drew goes.
0: Yeah, uh, I I don't know if it's completely out of the question. I think that John Elway would probably pick up the phone uh, mm-hmm. and have a conversation about what it would take to go after Matthew Stafford. But you're right, his comments, and even Vic Fangio's comments, have been very positive here late mm-hmm. in the season. And that tells me they're trying to prepare everyone for what's coming, and that's going to be another year of Drew Locke. Um, and, and it just goes into something we've been talking about for a while. It's all about team run it back. That is where they are here. Vic Fangio said after the game, "The biggest thing for us moving forward will be getting all the guys back to who we lost." Yeah, that that tells you the feeling in the building. They were robbed of the season by injury, and and that doesn't excuse Vic Fangio's time management issues in week one, or Drew Lock's you know interceptions in the middle of the season, or uh, or Vic Fangio's time management issues tonight. But in the end. I really do believe the feeling in there is the only thing stopping us from competing for a playoff this playoff spot this season was injuries.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're what they're sensing right now, uh, that that if you get better health. Now, that being said, you're not going to have perfect health unless you have an anomaly of a year. You're going to have some guys get hurt, but maybe it's just a normal rate of injuries rather than this waterfall, this Niagara Falls flow. Of, of injuries. And also you have to throw in suspension slash absence because you lost AJ Boyer there at the end. I mean, if, if Boye is out, if Boye is out there today, for example, I don't think the game is close. The Raiders clearly exploited uh, the Broncos issues at cornerback and just having Callahan or Boyer today would have made a heck of a lot of difference. So Juwan James opting out, you expect him back and you really, really one of the things that gives me a lot of hope for next year is the state of the offensive line because we saw Cushionberry get better down the stretch. Uh, We saw Dalton Reisner overcome some shakiness and play better down the stretch. Garrett Bowles, we've discussed him plenty of times. Uh, is looks like at minimum he can be a good swing backup, uh, maybe uh, stepping in and playing if need be. And then you put James in there at right tackle. Uh, You've got a wall that should protect Drew Locke. You get Cortland Sutton back. You have pass catchers that give him a diverse array of targets. By the way, interesting stat on the pass catchers. The Broncos had a different guy lead in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Patrick led in receiving touchdowns. Judy led in receiving yards. Noah Fant led in receptions. Which tells you that you're developing a nice, diverse array of targets. And then, oh, by the way, you have KJ Hamler and his speed. And then you throw Albert Oak Wabanon back in there. And then, of course, Cortland Sutton as the wide receiver one. You look at the line, you look at the at the targets, and you look at having another year with Pack Shermer. And I expect that the Broncos will run it back with Shermer. It's very much in the okay. No excuses here. It, right down to also the fact that you got a fourth place schedule. And while drawing the AFC North is tough, you're also drawing the NFC East.
0: Yes, and of course you get that you get the Jaguars and the Jets. Now the Jags will have Trevor Lawrence. Um, we expect that I mean, I'm hoping,
1: I'm hoping for that in Week One because I want I want a Week One game that really gets us excited.
0: That would be exciting.
1: That would um, be thrilling.
0: I think they're gonna. That you're thinking maybe Monday Night Football, eight thirty start uh, Broncos Jags.
1: Well, it would be being Jacksonville, I
0: believe. Oh, okay, okay. So well, that's so fine. Monday night, be-
1: yeah, five o'clock, so people yeah. don't have to stay up late. Perfect. Let's do hey, it.
0: That's even better. I'd love to see the Broncos get the early slot these times. Yes. <laughs> um, that'd be awesome. Um, did did Garrett Bowles finish off the sackless season today?
1: I believe he did.
0: Wow. I mean, yeah. You gotta tip your hat to Garrett Bowles. What? season from him. Zach posted the story on the DNVR.com this week, the case for him to be an all-pro player. I really hope he gets it. He deserves it. Um, The penalties uh, completely cut down. Uh, No sacks allowed from Garrett Bowles. Just one hell of a season uh, from him. Really happy for him. Um, You love to see Michael Ojemudia finish the season uh, the way he did, causing two fumbles today. Obviously, it was tough out there for them being shorthanded but he really fought hard uh and there's just uh you know there is hope there's reason for hope moving forward with this team they do have talent um you know I saw someone in the comments say they're the least talented team in the AFC West I really don't agree with that at all um I think that they're probably the s- potentially the second most talented team in the AFC West uh when they're healthy and you know obviously quarterback talent is the most important thing in football And there, right now, they're fourth. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and and Drew Locke's going to have to make a big step forward to get them out of there. But across the team, I think the Broncos have the second most talent in the division.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm going to say they have the second most talent, but what I will say is that the Chiefs are clearly number one, but then the Raiders, Chargers, and Broncos all went healthy. Are close enough to where you're, you can argue for any of those three. I would probably, if, if I'm going right now overall, I would actually say Chargers two. Again, we're talking about when healthy, what they have. The Chargers, kind of like the Broncos, played without a lot of guys this year. And uh, it would not surprise me at all if both the Chargers and the Broncos kind of make that push into the playoff conversation next year for much, for basically the same reasons. They get guys back from injuries. They have a chance to play at something closer to fuller fuller strength than they ever did this year. So I'd say talent-wise, I'm going, Chiefs clearly won. won. Chargers, two, but the Broncos kind of nip and tuck behind them at three, and then the Raiders, not far behind, but they're there at four all these all these teams are at least average league wide in terms of talent the record didn't reflect that for the for the chargers and the broncos this year i expect they'll reflect that next year
0: yeah and the chargers ended up winning four straight to finish the season mm-hmm. um so they're going to be feeling great about that
1: and guess what because they won four straight yeah one of them was against the broncos that meant fourth place for the Broncos at at six and 10. Usually you've got to be a little bit worse than that to finish in last place. So uh, thanks to the Chargers for that little run, for uh, allowing them to get the Jets, Jaguars, and Lions on the schedule. Although we don't yet know where that Lions game is going to be. That's probably, knowing how the league operates, they'll probably determine next year's home teams for the 17th game by the flip of a coin.
0: Yeah, and, and or maybe they put the Broncos and Lions in London mm. because we you know the Broncos are obviously robbed of a London game this year.
1: Or we talked about it for week 1. Maybe a saucy game would be Broncos Jaguars in London at Wembley next mm, year. That of course over over at Spurs. That would be a lot of fun.
0: London team. Um all right, well we <laughs> got our guys next Stevens here. Uh, and actually, it's perfect timing for him to come in because I I want to ask him uh, about something with big fan Joe go hear. So, what's up, Zach?
2: Fellas, what's going on? Happy loss.
0: Yes, yeah, so <laughs> it, it was a great feeling loss. Uh, I think the comments are actually pretty much uh, in lockstep with us on that. Um, Zach, I was just about to transition into, you know, thinking a little bit more about this game and we have been so far, we've been going pretty big picture. And I think the one big gripe that people have is the way the clock was managed by the Broncos at the end of the game. I'm curious, did Vic Fangio shed any light on that uh, in his press conference?
2: He did, specifically about the one timeout that everyone's mad about. What he said about that uh, was he wanted to see what the Raiders were doing and then uh, be able to make sure that he had the right formation, the right people in. So that's why he called the timeout. And from a clock management standpoint... It didn't make sense, but let's say the Broncos do end up stopping the Raiders there. Thanks to that timeout, then everyone's saying, oh, that, that was a good call. So that was Vic Fangio's reasoning to that, was he wanted to make sure that he was countering the Raiders exactly the way he wanted to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i actually okay, Zach, uh, with the timeout before the fourth and one. I, I got that completely. The one that kind of it, it sticks in my craw a little bit is the timeout before the two-point conversion, and I know he said he wanted to make sure they had the right personnel, but the Raiders look to be in total disarray at that moment, yeah. and that's where I think he just kind of say, "Okay, uh, let's stick this in the back pocket. Maybe at minimum, we get a delay game penalty out of this because they can't th- because they don't have a timeout, they can't stop it."
2: Yeah. And then, I mean, what did you need later in in the game? You you needed a timeout if you had one. And so that comes back to bite you. And look, we start the season talking about this, Mace. (laughs) We end the season talking about this, Mace. And I think think fortunately for Vic, since it's not like this was a, a win and you're in type of game, that yeah. really helps him kind of take the pressure off him in this. But one thing that that I see fans saying a lot, and I totally agree, is this one you can kind of laugh off and say mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe Vic Fangio handled it perfectly to, to, to get the higher <laughs> draft pick. Uh, but I do know that this has a lot of fans concerned moving forward on, holy cow, I mean, you can't have a coach mishandle multiple games in a season if you want to be a playoff team.
1: I think that's a great point, and one thing we were discussing earlier, Jerry Judy was our king of the game, and the point I made was that it was really good to see him rebound the way he did today, because now he can go to the offseason, and he's gotten the taste of last week out of his system. It's not something that's going to linger. You've separated uh, yourself from that bad day with your best day to this point in, in your career. So he's able to move forward. But with Vic Fangio, since we're talking about this season being bracketed with game management losses, at the beginning and the end or, or losses that game management at least played a part in, you're saying, okay, did he really make the progress overall that you needed him to make in that aspect of coaching? Yeah. And,
2: and that, that is a concern. You start yeah. the season with it, you end the season with it. And there, there were already concerns about that. Yeah. What
0: I want to see uh, Vic Fangio learn from this is he needs help. Uh, and I want to see him go out there and hire someone to handle this for him in the, in the future. I want to see more analytics in the organization. I want to see them say, you know what, you can learn a lot on the fly, and I hope just what they learned is we need help here. Well, well and you know what,
1: how- I, love, I love working with you guys, but I would never go back to work for the Broncos in digital media. But if they wanted me to handle their game management, I'll volunteer and I'll work pretty cheap too.
2: (laughs) Well, they should have a pretty big budget for that. (laughs) Since since we're talking about it, guys, uh, John Gruden, after the game, talking about that two-point conversion, he said that they changed their mind three times on the (laughs) two-point conversion. And he said, fortunately, the Broncos used their timeout. And Josh Jacobs, after the game, said, we would have been scrambling if the Broncos didn't use their timeout. So, I mean, it, you, you do what your opponent doesn't want you to do. And in this case, the Broncos did what their opponent wanted them to do.
0: Hey, uh, but that's okay. Because, you know, last year it must have been mentioned a hundred times, Shelby Harris cost Broncos five draft slots. Well, it ended up being okay for them then. But who knows who they might have missed out on this year if they fell from 9-12. to 9-12 to 12 is going to be a, a hot area. Um, because... We'll see how many quarterbacks go early. A lot of the top talent, I believe, will still be on the board. You're probably going to get a – well, I would say you're probably going to get a top five non-quarterback there uh, at number nine. And, you know, people are – I personally am starting to fall in love with Patrick Sertan uh, out there at Alabama. Um He's a guy who you could probably have him at night. You might even be able to move back a little bit and get him. Um, Caleb Farley is the other guy at corner that people really like. Obviously, the Broncos need help at corner. Micah Parsons, he'll be in the mix there. So we might be looking back and saying the opposite this time. Thank God Vic Fangio called that timeout and saved uh, the Broncos from having to trade up to get whoever.
2: And thank you, John Gruden, for going for two, especially the way that it played out. Because, the, guys, I believe this was an ideal turnout for the Broncos. They score 31 points. Drew Locke doesn't have a turnover for the first game since week one. He looks good. The young offense looks good. And they lose because of just, you know, uh, the, the defense kind of falling apart. But then you, know, you look at what Vic Fangio said after the game. He said he views there's 12 starters on defense because he views the nickel as a starter. And he said in this game, we were without eight of our 12 starters. So then it's easy to say, okay, well, there you go. You know, they get some of those guys back next year and then they shouldn't be giving up 32 points to the Raiders. And you can convince yourself that this loss was without a doubt, the best thing that the Broncos could have had happen in the fashion it had happened.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we're going to have plenty more to talk about, uh, but first a shout out to Breckenridge brewery. Had a couple of, uh, of the, um, oh gosh, what's it called? The Juice Drop IPA. That one always evades me for some reason. This morning, and man. Though that is a good beer. That is a really good beer. I've never been a huge IPA guy, um, but that one is so smooth. It's so it's so crisp that I think even you know someone who doesn't love IPAs will enjoy the Juice Drop. But Breckenridge Brewery truly has something for everyone. So make sure you check them out. Uh, and if you don't know where you can find some Breck Brews near you, you can always log on to breckbrew.com and use the Breck Brew Locator to find out where they're going to be.
2: And make sure to check out our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Not only are they diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, Ryan say it with me: Go Rams! No, you're, you're not going to, okay. But they've supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. And so visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and then enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. And if you're curious about the rates out there to refinance, well, give them a call because the rates are as good as you think. And Mike and Virginia will look at your entire financial position your entire financial picture in order to get you the best rate and loan for you. So check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. Get set up with that free consultation and also enter in for a chance to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631.
0: All right, uh, plenty more to talk about here, and there's a bunch of different places we can go, but uh, I think, you know, one thing that people really want to talk about right now is where the Broncos should invest this fancy new top 10 pick they have, uh, and we will obviously be talking about this for a long time on the podcast, so if you want to get more in-depth, tune in. You know, our our um, tape viewing uh, period begins tomorrow, uh, you know, when we start looking at prospects and have a better idea, but... Because we're still early in that process, let's talk about position. Where do you guys think, and Zach, I'll start with you, the Broncos should invest the number nine pick in the draft?
2: Well, I'm going with an elite player. And Ryan, you already mentioned him, but I believe he is elite and it happens to be at a position of need, and that is Patrick Sertan. That is my guy Right now, I'm getting him to just make sure that whatever side of the field you're on, Vic Fangio is very certain about when he's out there. And so you just don't even have to worry about.
1: Yeah, I'm. If I hold on to the pick, I'm same position, different guy. I like Caleb Farley just because I think his upside's a little bit higher. He's also got versatility. You can use him in the slot. You can bump mode to safety. He can play outside. There isn't a spot that he can't handle potentially in the secondary. He's a little bit longer, a little bit rangier than Patrick Sertan. At and comes from a system at Virginia Tech that has produced an awful lot of good defensive backs over the years. Of course, he played his career for Bud Foster. That's a guy who knows what he's doing when it comes to producing defensive backs. So sort of the same thing with Alabama. You're getting a guy from a from a place with coaching that has been proven to produce quality defensive backs in, in this game. So they've got a lot of the same tools. I just think Farley, if he hits, is a little bit higher. But I would be open for business to trade down, especially if you're talking about that third or fourth, that third but more likely fourth quarterback dropping to that range where teams may want to move up. If you could get a future one to move down, say, 10 to 12 picks, I would be open for business on that if I were the Denver Broncos because here's the thing. If you if you accumulate capital for 2022, let's say Drew Locke doesn't work out but you finish like six and 10 or seven and nine, you get capital for 2022. It's kind of like some, what Buffalo did a few years back. You're in position to move up and get your quarterback then, Sam Howell or Keaton Slovis, perhaps.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I love the Farley Sertan conversation. There's always these, <laughs> you know, debates that we have on the podcast. Uh, and I'm excited for that one because we can, we'll do a whole first segment on which one is the better fit for the Broncos. But I think. Corner is a is a real pick there. Um, we've talked about linebacker every single year, and Zach always points out we have no idea what Vic Fangio is looking for in a linebacker. Um, <laughs> we thought like he would love a certain guy, and then he didn't like that guy, and guys will be on the board, and he'd pass on them. So, uh, like, Devin Bush is an example of a player they could have had. Vic Fangio clearly didn't want him. Um, so we don't know. Maybe Micah Parsons fits that mold. You know, he kind of does fit the Justin Hollins type build that, Vic Fangio did like um, in that draft, although not enough to keep him around for another year where he went and played pretty darn good for Brandon Staley in L.A. Anyways, I think it's got to be on the defensive side of the ball, and people are probably scratching their heads right now saying offense has been the problem for the Broncos for how long now, and and they're right, but we've talked about it before, and I just want to go over it again your entire offensive line is pretty much solidified going forward. Um, you could maybe talk about moving some pieces around, uh, and, and obviously right tackle. Juwan James is forgotten often, but unless he retires, which I guess I wouldn't completely rule out, maybe he really likes sitting on his couch this year. Um, then he's going to be your right tackle next year because the Broncos can't save any money by moving on from him. Um, your running backs, I really would not imagine the Broncos investing a first-round pick in a running back. Um, your wide receivers are set. Your tight ends are set. And so the only other place, of course, is quarterback. And I just – you know, you can debate whether Drew Locke is the guy till the cows come home. I just don't think the Broncos are drafting a first-round quarterback. I really don't. Um, so, there, you know, that gets you to the defensive side of the ball. And, and the biggest needs on defense are – uh, corner and linebacker. And you could maybe make a case for pass rusher uh, as well, just with, uh, you know, you know, Von Miller, uh, who knows how much longer he's going to be here. But at the same time, you have Malik Reed and Jerry Itachu who both played really, really well this year.
2: Man. And Jerry was just a couple steps away a few times to $250,000 this year. But we do know uh, just, just like, I, I totally agree with you, Ryan. It's, it's easy to start this conversation and say, okay, what quarterbacks do the Broncos get? But in my mind, I, I think you just have to eliminate that because if John isn't sold on drew, which I think can be a very big possibility. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a veteran route that he goes down. He does not want to try to develop another quarterback. So I think you have to erase that there. But one thing that you can erase is John loving pass rushers. Look look what he's done with two, the the only two top five picks he's ever had. He's gone pass rusher and pass rusher. So it's not crazy to say that he could do that again in the top 10. Although I don't think, I think they'd rather address cornerback because he's also paid a ton of attention to cornerback uh, with draft picks and more specifically, uh, paying guys in the past. So, uh, I, I don't think you can rule out pass rusher either.
1: I don't think you can either. And, and I think some of this cornerback or edge rusher, it may come down to what happens contract wise in the next two months, because I don't think Von Miller is back without a significant restructure and AJ Boyer, that is an easy contract to cut but if the broncos want to restructure him they hold all the cards in that and so it's possible that you could end up getting one restructure done the other not getting done and then whichever one you don't get done that's what you're targeting in round 1 if you keep the pick
0: i think there's a lot at play here and it's going to be it makes this this offseason way more exciting um mm-hmm. because the broncos could potentially trade up to two from nine. And uh, that's not a complete, like that's not out of the realm of possibility. They could trade up to two and draft Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. Uh, They could stand Pat and pick, uh, you know, like I say, a top five non quarterback in the draft. They could, they could triple down on tight end and take Kyle Pitts at number nine. Um, (laughs) It's like like
2: my Madden team.
0: Right. There's, there's a lot of places they could go. And I don't know if there's that many places where you can definitively say they won't go um, other than offense, (laughs) wide receiver. Like, I can't, I mean, heck, I'm all for Devontae Smith, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, (laughs) Cortland Sutton, but you can only put so many of those guys on the field at a time, uh, especially when you have two tight ends that you really like as well. So that one's probably ruled out. But there's very few places where I can definitively say Broncos won't go there, and it'll make for a long, uh, a, a lot of long conversations in the offseason about where they should go, where they could go, and where they will go.
1: Yeah, the only two that you really say are kicker and punter.
0: <laughs> yeah, we right. just, want,
1: just want to rule them out right now. They're not going to pull the Al Davis and take the sea bass, uh, the sea bass in the in the first round. But uh, it's more than likely defense. But you know, it's funny if they trade down, say they trade down to say 23 or 24. You might even be talking about a running back in round one. I don't like that idea, but you
2: could be talking about it. Najee Harris, baby. I mean, all he does is jump over people completely. Just best, insane.
0: Best hurdle I've ever seen in my life. Speaking of Sebastian Janikowski, <laughs> when uh, Brandon McManus attempted his 70-yard field goal today, which nothing screams week 17 like someone <laughs> attempting a 70-yard field goal, I thought that's got to be the longest attempt of all time. Such was not the case. (laughs) In 2008, Sebastian Janikowski attempted a 76-yard field goal, and I am maybe happy to report that he did not even make it to the end zone.
1: (laughs) I'll never forget it because I, I was in the press box in Charlotte after an early game when that happened, and the entire press corps laughed when they saw Janikowski going out there to attempt that kick. It's, well, it's they, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a game.
0: They go to like the back view, right? From behind the yes. goal. And he just looks so far <laughs> away. <laughs>
2: incredible, well, guys, don't, don't you think that uh, Vic letting McManus try this one today? Now, anytime in the future, Vic can say, "Nope, I let you try a long one already. You're, you're staying on the side and you, and you can't complain.
0: Not to mention, yeah. I mean, you had a game winner from 63. You couldn't get it over the line. Um that was like all I wanted going into that play. Just don't hit it too low. Uh and you know, I I can't even give that much credit to the Raiders for blocking it. They didn't have to do anything. He kicked it right into them.
2: Yeah, Um, I think I think I could have got that one.
0: I don't blame Brandon McManus because when you kick it from that far, you have to lower the trajectory and he just lowered it a little too much. Uh but you know, I assume it's very difficult to try and change trajectory like that and all that sort of stuff. Um but from Vic Fangio's perspective he can really say look man I let you try 70 I let you try 63 you didn't even you know get it past the line of scrimmage
2: yeah yeah you you can't say that that he didn't let him try and man wouldn't that be something what if he makes both of those and gets 63 game yard or game winning field goal and a 70 yard that would just be
0: nuts he probably ends up being like all pro just based off of that
2: yeah, and also he would have set the single season record for most 50-plus yard field goals made in a season.
0: Well, and he certainly had the leg on the field goal to, to set that record, the 56-yarder, which is the only one that I'm really blaming him for uh, because if he makes that one, then the Broncos probably win the game.
2: And does this, does this solidify the future for Tom McMahon? Probably, you know, the, the biggest name that's in question mm-hmm. going forward. Uh yeah, he's
0: he he gone. He gone.
2: Yeah, he he he's a good dude, but man, it hurts when we talked to him on Friday or no, Thursday I believe, that he just he he takes credit for all of the bad things that happen. And uh so yeah, Vic Vic was asked kind of a question of when do you make these decisions moving forward and he said We'll work here the next few days, then the building's closing down for a couple of weeks, and then we'll come back. So he didn't really say if it was going to be in the next few days or if he's going to take a similar route that he did last year with Rich Scangarello and kind of sleep on it for two straight weeks is is how long it took for him to make a decision there. So if we don't hear of a change made in the next 24, 48 hours, it could still come.
0: I humbly request that they do not fire anyone in the middle of a playoff game please no no
2: And <laughs> didn't didn't the firing come pretty much at the time the chiefs started to come back last last year? yes
0: yep because you're like you, you're looking down you're tweeting you're looking you know you're doing all these stuff and you look up and like the whole lead is erased and you're like what is going on here
1: <laughs> i mean I, I was i was on my way to a plane i was headed to the shrine game i was in the car yeah when it broke down i mean that could that couldn't have been at a worse time so let's just you know if it's gonna happen let's let's just get out of the way now. Like most, most coach moves happen. I, I remember when Vance Joseph, uh, gutted a good portion of his staff after the 2017 season, it happened within 24 hours of the end of the year. So let's just, if there are any moves to make, uh, get them done now. Bes- besides that, I can't really see any changes unless you have some of the older coaches retiring, but, uh, you know Bill Kolar still is the best at what he does. I don't want him to retire. I hope he sticks with it and stays until and coaches until he drops if he wants to. He's that good on the D line.
0: Well, if you want an opportunity to be able to misjudge your trajectory and distance, go download the WGT app via dnvrgolf.com where you'll get to mess around with your trajectory, your distance, all that good stuff, just like your Brandon McManus trying to kick a 70 yard field goal. Uh, hopefully, you'll have more success. And when you get there, Go to the DNVR4 Country Club and become one of the almost 1,000 members of the DNVR family who are playing WGT. It's a hell of a lot of fun. I'm playing every week in these tournaments. We have weekly tournaments in each country club that all kind of come together. You have an opportunity to place on the leaderboard. But every time you play, you're entered to win a prize. So it's a ton of fun. Uh, So check out WGT.
2: And if you don't want to mess around with your teeth, which I would suggest not gambling with the trajectory of your teeth, make sure to check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental over the years, and they tell us the exact same thing, that they treat them like family. In fact, our sales director, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth removed to Green Mountain Dental earlier this year, and the dentist personally called her a few days later to check up on her. That is treating your customers like family. And when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, Green Mountain Dental will hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. You get the best toothbrush out there for free if you just take care of the trajectory of your teeth. So make sure to check them out. They're only a 15-minute drive away from downtown Denver. Make sure to tell them that we sent you as well. So check out Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush.
0: And quickly to the commenter who is notably coming in from Facebook uh, to talk to talk about how Zach is wearing a mask by himself. Well, Zach is at the stadium. Uh, so he has to wear a mask. It's the rules.
2: <laughs> yes, ex- exactly. Coming to you live from the stadium. The, the first game here in 2021.
0: Yes, and the last game, of course, of the season. Zach, we did not get your take on Drew Locke's performance. How are you feeling about Drew?
2: Well, today, Drew looked... Extremely comfortable, and he he did everything that you wanted him to do uh, in terms of a play-by-play. When when the play wasn't there, he tucked the ball and ran, Uh, and he just just looked comfortable, guys. And this is what you want to see a quarterback look like, comfortable. We haven't seen that a lot this year, and the most important thing to me is zero turnovers. For the first time since week one, Drew Locke did not have a single turnover, whether it was a pick, whether it was a fumble, and they're really... Wasn't any like dropped interceptions, which we've seen multiple times this season, where there's you know a couple of dropped interceptions that could have been an even worse game for him. We did not see that from him. He had the 60 percent completion, uh, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. All of the numbers check out. I think the eye test checked out as well. So again, if if John wants to stick with him, this game gave him plenty of momentum just to say, well, he's progressing go- going forward. Now, when you take a step back and look at Drew. If you look around this team and say, okay, where do we need to improve on quarterback is Clearly the, the biggest thing that, that you point to, and of course, turnover, turnovers and takeaways, but quarterbacks in that as well. So if John wants to go a different direction, which I do not believe would be a rookie, because I think John would understandably realize that if we're going rookie, we're probably going to get a lot more turnovers, just like Drew had this year. Uh, I think he'd be a veteran. And he would say the reason for that is if I think this is a playoff team if you get a guy that's going to control the ball. So really, we leave this game on a positive feeling. With Drew Locke. uh, And John can really take this and run whichever direction he wants.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the upward trend at the end of the season is impossible to deny. Zach, I was talking to Mace about this. How crazy is it that four weeks ago we were sitting on the podcast and we said, man, if Drew Locke wants to have a positive touchdown to interception ratio at the end of the season, he's got to go something like seven to two from here on out. (laughs) He did exactly that when seven to two finishes with 16 to 15. Not good enough at all terrible it, it, it's unacceptable the line now the seven to two in the last quarter of the season that is exactly what you're looking for moving forward so you're right you could take this whatever way you want and trust me uh twitter will be doing that for months and months and months and months until we finally get to see these guys on the field again next season but it's uh it's a really interesting way to end the season and I think Drew can be really proud of the progress he made in this last little quadrant. I really believe he's one step away from being a good NFL quarterback. Now, the Broncos need great. And so the question internally is can he get to great? I am still in the in the camp that believes he can get there. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't, but I really believe if if they handle the offseason properly, uh, and you know he takes the jump that I expect him to because he's playing in his in the in an offense for two years in a row for the first time since he was a junior in college from his sophomore to junior year, of course. Um, I truly think that if he takes that step forward, he is in the category of good NFL quarterback, uh, and you've seen it in multiple games recently that he looked like a good, a very good NFL quarterback. So, yeah. uh, if he can make that jump in the off season, I think the Broncos will start the season on the right foot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're a hundred percent. And there there's two takeaways from that. Ryan is there's no question. Drew Locke was not good enough this season. No one can argue that the question is, can he take a next step? Well, you, you've seen some progress over these final four games. So that's the question. Not was Drew Locke good enough? He was not this year. There's no question about it. One of the worst in the league. Can he take that next step? is the biggest question. And then a reason to believe he could take that next step. If you want to believe that is Ryan, the seven to two touchdown to interception ratio over the final four games. If he were to do that over the course of the season, we're talking 28 touchdowns, eight picks. That will work in the NFL. You'll be able to win games. Now, can everything be on your back? Can you be a terrible team and, and win like that? You'll probably win, but you're probably not winning a Super Bowl if that's if that's what your quarterback's doing. You need to be throwing 40 touchdowns if your quarterback is everything to the team. But with this team right now, with a, a solid to very good to potentially elite defense and what it could be if it gets these starters back with Vic as a coordinator uh, and all the weapons that Drew has, 28 touchdowns and eight interceptions, guys, this, this is a team probably not winning the AFC West, but this is a team that is certainly in the playoffs. We're, we're not just talking nine wins. We're talking 11 wins.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the ceiling was there this year, and unfortunately, uh, we never got to see what this team's ceiling was going to be. We never even got to see anything close to it uh, because before the season even got off the ground, they were without their best offensive player and their best defensive player, arguably, I guess, uh, in Cortland Sutton. And Von Miller. And then, obviously, it just evolved from there. No right tackle. No corners for a part of the season. No defensive line for a part of the season. A game with zero quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, you go through it. It's it's absurd, uh, the things that the Broncos had to deal with this year. But moving forward, there's definitely reason for hope for Broncos fans now. I think the, um, for lack of a better term, the Drew Lock haters are going to have a tough offseason uh, for their hopes. Because you're going to have to believe in Drew Locke if you think this team is going to be anything next year, most likely. Now, would I be shocked if they trade for Matt Stafford and, uh, you know, and, and go from there? No, I would not. But I think what's going to happen is eventually when the when all the chips fall, the Broncos will be moving forward with Drew Locke. Uh, and so... If you believe in Drew Locke being a good NFL quarterback and potential to take another step forward next year, um, then you believe in the Broncos. If you don't, well, then you're going to have a hard time getting there. Um, But for the most part, you have to feel good about the roster and you're going to feel great about the schedule when you see that.
2: And it's going to be very interesting when when the Broncos bring in a hedge. Let's say it's not a first round quarterback. Let's say it's not Matthew Stafford because neither of those would be hedges. Those would be the guy. Let's say it, it's a hedge uh, that and Mace loves to throw out the names. I think we're we're going to easily see. Who believes in Drew Locke? Who doesn't? I think the people that believe in Drew Locke are going to say Drew Locke's going to win the job in training camp. The people that don't believe in Drew are going to say that the hedge is going to win the the job in training camp because that's just how polarizing it is. If, if you believe in Drew Locke, then you think that he's going to beat out a hedge quarterback. If you don't believe in Drew Locke, then you think anyone the Broncos bring in <laughs> is going to beat him out.
0: So just... Just listen to this, and, and every, a lot can change over the course of an offseason. But just tell me how this schedule makes you feel. Obviously, you know, you got two of the Chargers, Chiefs, and Raiders. But listen to these teams. Bengals, Browns, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, football team, Jets, Jaguars, and then Steelers and Ravens. I mean, that, that schedule feels incredible right now
2: outside of your division yeah that that looks pretty good obviously there's going to be a few tough games in there but i mean how many losing teams and at the bottom of teams are there if if you just beat next year if you just beat the teams with losing records which would include the chargers as well so maybe you say you split with them just like you did this year But if you just beat the teams with losing records, guys, I mean, there you go. You don't have to be a a hero and play hero ball every week to get in the playoffs like the Broncos have had to do these past few years. And certainly they haven't been good enough to be able to do that. They don't have to do that next year the way it looks right now. But what if Trevor Lawrence comes in and Justin Fields is with the Jets and those guys look tremendous, and then Dak signs with the re-signs with the Cowboys and looks fantastic? There and Joe Burrow plays well with the Bengals. There is a chance that this schedule ends up looking like how in the didn't the Broncos finish fourth? How in the world are they getting this schedule?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I I don't we kind of joke about the NFC East. There's the NFC East, but you throw uh, you throw Dak back in there with the Cowboys. Washington's on an upward trend. The Giants were on an upward trend at the end of the year. I don't think it, it's going to be quite the cakewalk that everybody thinks it is. But at the same time, you, you get a game against the NFC North, and fourth place in the NF against the NFC North means you draw the Detroit Lions. You don't get Green Bay. You don't get Minnesota, which I expect if they can fix their defense a bit will rebound. You don't get the you don't get the Bears you get you get Detroit i mean that's you get the jets who they they're, they're going to have the number 2 pick but they're still the jets they're dysfunctional you have some opportunities here to put things together the one thing that also that does look daunting is looking at the entire afc north a division where everybody has their quarterback situation figured out
0: Absolutely. And like I said, a lot will change between now and then. And heck, the Bengals could be a really good team next year. But just when you look at the schedule, it, it feels a lot better than what the Broncos have been up against for the last few years. Uh, and it, it'll be, uh, we'll, you know, I, I can already see the offseason unfolding right before our eyes. You know, the, the schedule reveal show and all of these different nights and the draft. And, and it's exciting to think about. What I want to the note I want to finish on with you guys is just, um, it'll be two questions. Do you think this person will be back? And do you think that is the right decision? Uh, and, and we'll start from from the most obvious. Uh, we already know the answer to the first part. Vic Fangio will be back next season. So I'll just cut to that. Everyone everyone's answer is yes. Um, Mace, I'll start with you. Is that the right decision?
1: It's the right decision, but. If you start off slowly next year, if it's another 0-3, 0-4 type of start, I think the seat is roasting, especially when you have two former head coaches sitting on the staff, Impact Shermer and Mike Munchak, and likely Mike Munchak. If they start off poorly, I wouldn't be surprised to see a change early next year.
2: Yeah, when and Mike read- Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, yes, it is the right decision. Mike Munchek is a big reason why, because you yeah. do have that safety net there. Uh, and also, it, you get to run it back for a third straight year, which is huge. And John was going to give the benefit of the doubt to everyone he possibly could. And so Vic gets that this year.
0: All right. Uh, I'm with you guys. I think that there could be a conversation to be had about Vic Fangio if the Broncos hadn't been firing everyone for like years now. Um, <laughs> it's the right decision because you just didn't really have a choice.
1: Yeah. You, you've literally tried everything but stability yep, in the exactly. last five years. So try, st- you know, you, what you have to try it because you've gone through everything else.
2: Yeah. Try this, running it back. Is this technically the last week that the Broncos are paying Vance Joseph? Technically, did he get a four year contract? And so this would have been the last year of that.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I mean, how about that? They go, they, they, they couldn't move on from, uh, from Vic and then pay two head coaches again for another two years. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, the next one here is uh, I'll change it up a little bit. The next one's Tom McMahon. Will he be back? Is that the right decision? Uh, Zach.
2: I don't think he'll be back, and, and it probably is the right decision, man. You, you saw some hope for Tom McMahon a couple of weeks ago with there being positive movement going forward with the special teams unit, but they've kind of fallen apart the past few weeks. And and you know, I hate to word, use the word scapegoat, but that's what he's going to be. Uh, I, I don't really see the Broncos keeping everything the same coming off a of five and eleven season, so he's going to be the guy that's out, and they have enough justification to do it.
1: Yeah, they have literal – when you're looking at the list of what went wrong this season, special teams is way down the list, but he's going to be the scapegoat, unfortunately. Personally, I would look and at who's out there before I made that move. Can you find better than Tom McMahon? Like if you told me that Jody Camillus was going to be let go in Jacksonville and wanted to come back to Denver, I'd be okay with that. But if you can't get a coach like that, me, I'd run it back with Tom.
0: All right, uh, and then the next one here is Pat Shermer, Mace. Well, and I agree with you guys, by the way. Yes, he'll be gone. Yes, it's the right decision. Uh, I guess I'll start here uh, with Pat Shermer, and this is the toughest one for me uh, to answer whether or not it's the right decision. He will be back, Um, and there's so much. Good in the idea of continuity. And, and I really do believe you have to give continuity a chance on the offensive side of the ball, especially with drew lock um, starting all over with a new scheme for drew lock next year. Seems like literal insanity to me. So to me, it is the right decision because of that. Unfortunately, I just can't be confident in the fact that he's the right guy for the job. So to me, it's, it is the right decision. It is the most, likely decision Um, and it just it does I I feel uneasy about it all at the same time because I'm not very confident in Pat Shermer
2: well do you have that guy like a Mike Munchak when we talk about Vic Fangio do you have that guy that could step in in week five if the offense is is uh, having a slow start like we talk about Vic okay you got Mike you can throw him in there so you can give Vic this third year do you have that guy on the offensive staff uh and i don't think mike Munchak is that guy i don't think he he's an offensive coordinator uh i think we've seen it throughout his career he's either the best offensive line coach in the nfl uh or he's a, an nfl head coach so i'm not sure you point to mike Munchak with that uh, and that's something that would make you feel a little better um so that that that's something to weigh in on this as well and I mean, just when you hear Drew Locke talk about continuity on offense, if you want Drew Locke to be the guy, then this is absolutely the right move. After the game today, Drew Locke again said it would be awesome and huge to have Pat Shermer back. So, yes, he will be back. Uh, and, yes, if you're keeping Drew Locke, it is the right move. If you don't keep Drew Locke as the starting quarterback, then you can move on because so much is going to change if you bring in Matthew Stafford, uh, and then you can do that. Unfortunately, you're probably not making a move at offensive coordinator in the end of March when you bring in a Matthew Stafford, if that's the route you
0: go. Yeah, exactly. That's not really an option. Um, And because of that, I think that you'll see this, you'll see continuity at that position.
1: Yeah, and again, you have to look at Drew Locke's career going back to Mizzou his best season came when there was carryover from year to year with Josh Heupel as the offensive coordinator from 2016 into 2017 so that's another reason why I think you just run it back with Shermer and the other thing similar to to Vic Fangio if you do have to move on from Shermer if you feel it's not working you got to make a change uh, Zach Azani has been a passing game coordinator and offensive coordinator at the college level. And, of course, Mike Shula has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and he's been a head coach uh, in college as well. You have options on your staff if you have to make that move.
0: Um, I would like to let everyone know that the Nuggets won, and Nicole Jokic had another triple-double. <laughs> uh,
1: oh, I'd also like everyone know Philadelphia just took the lead. So
0: number eight it, is on the table. It is
1: 14 to 10. If the Eagles can somehow hang on, the Broncos would pick eighth, not ninth.
0: That matters too. You know, that's that not like eight feels significantly higher than nine for some reason. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like how, uh, 28 feels a lot younger than 29. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> just, just soaking these next few months, Ryan. Yeah, exactly.
0: oh. Uh, Last one here and and then we'll wrap up uh, and the Nuggets guys will be going live here in a second to those who are starting to pop into the comment section here. Um, This one's easier for me. It might be harder for you guys. Drew Locke. Will he be the starter? I think we know your answer now, but is that the right decision? Mace, I'll start with you.
1: It's the right decision. And I think he will be the starter because even though we talk about the younger type of hedges like Darnold and Mariota, I do think if the Broncos bring in another quarterback, it's going to be in the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor, 30-something veteran mentor type of vein who is there as a backstop if Locke doesn't take the next steps but is not necessarily competing for that job. So I think it's the right thing to do, but I also think it's good to have somebody in there that can cover you a little bit in case – drew lock falters because if this team is healthy guys this roster is good enough to be in the playoffs
2: guys answer me this question to for me to answer your question is is Matthew Stafford available this offseason right now Detroit has a seventh overall pick
0: uh yes he's available and you got to pay a lot for him
2: then he's the Broncos quarterback next year so drew lock he may be back he may not be back uh, but he's not the Broncos starting quarterback if Matthew Stafford is available I believe he is the Broncos starting quarterback next year look John Elway on his contract here, potentially his last year what whether whether he gets a once a contract or not this just may be his last year as the GM he wants to win now he still may think that it's going to be some time with Drew because Ryan you said that next step is for Drew to be good and then the step after that is to be great John may say, I want the guy that doesn't have to take that next step to be good right now and has the potential to to be a little better than that as well. So if Matthew Stafford is available, he's the quarterback for the Broncos next year. And is that the right thing? It's probably the win now move because I do believe Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Drew Locke. But man, I mean, you're never going to be able to find. It's going to be hard, I should say, for you to find a quarterback for 15 years if you're not willing to develop them.
0: Amen. Uh, I love that you had a different answer, because my answer uh, is that Drew Locke will be back. He will be the starter. He will finally get an opportunity to have continuity at the offensive coordinator position. Uh, And I do think it's the right decision because of what you just said, Zach. The same way that you can't just cycle coaches all the time, you can't just cycle quarterbacks all the time. Now, uh, you, you have to keep trying. But when you have a fence position like you are now, where it's kind of teeter-tottering back and forth, I do think you have to give this an opportunity. Drew Locke has shown flashes of very good to elite quarterback play. You know, we've seen a 98 QBR and a 94 QBR or whatever it was. We've seen that, that top-tier stuff from him. You've got to give yourself an opportunity to know he's capable of making that his norm or something in that regard. His norm, he clearly has the tools. He checks off all the boxes off the field. He's a leader. The people that that are around him all really like him and are all rooting for him hard. And you go through all of that, I think you just have to give him uh, an opportunity. And I do believe that that is the right move for the Denver Broncos. All right. Before we get out of here, another shout out to MSU Denver online. MSUDenver.edu slash online is where you can check him out. Forty plus online hybrid programs, seven hundred and fifty total classes. Uh, it's you, there's something for everyone at, at, at MSU Denver. So if you want to further your education in any area, and, and maybe they have a class on you know ball control that Drew Locke could visit in this offseason to help him you know get to that next step as a quarterback. Yes, Mace.
1: We need a class on game management, right?
0: class on game management for Vic Fangio. you plenty of options. You're
1: never too old to learn. That's something with MSU Denver. You know, there are senior citizens that are at MSU Denver taking classes right now. You're never too old to learn something new.
0: There it is. MSUdenver.edu/online to scope out all they have to offer. That's going to do it for us. Everyone enjoy the Nuggets post game coming up here in a second and we'll talk to you tomorrow morning live here on the DNVR Broncos podcast.